let me start with a story. There's a Canadian. His name is Jared Brock, and um, I, I kind of know him. I wouldn't say I'm friends with him, but he's been in Montreal, and he hosted a screening of one of his documentaries. He's, he's produced three documentaries. His most recent one was called Over 18, and it was on the effects of, uh, of pornography and culture among teenagers. He did another uh, documentary called Red Light, Green Light, which which where he literally, in a, a very healthy way, lobbied the government to understand the effects of sex trafficking. And the government was looking at going towards um, uh, legalizing certain things in the way of Amsterdam in terms of prostitution and things like that. And his documentary showed that it, it doesn't work to help prevent the health of women and also sex trafficking. He did that kind of documentary. And he did another recent one called Uncle Tom, which was based on a hero from the 18th century that had, had some of the sparks of the civil rights movement. And so interesting character, interesting guy. Him and his wife um, just love to read and research and influence culture in positive ways. He's a follower of Jesus. And so he travels the world um, reading and writing and filming and meeting people. And uh, he cataloged some of, some of his traveling the world in a book called Living, uh, uh, Living, what's it called? A Year of Living Prayerfully, that's it. A Year of Living Prayerfully. And uh, he was on a little bit of a journey because all the things he was involved in, all the things he was participating in, all the, the social activism and the pursuit to do good in the world in, in the way that he felt the Lord was convicting him to, he realized, like, I don't have the strength to do this on my own. My wife and I, like, this is, a, this is a daily struggle. And so he writes this book as he pursues to understand, you know, just globally how, how Christians uh, grow in prayer and pursue God in prayer. And he writes this in the introduction of his book. He says, we were stuck. We needed more power. Not only did we want to see our prayers answered, but we also wanted to sense that God was listening. We wanted a deeper relationship with Jesus. We wanted to talk with God. We wanted to hear from God. I love just the, the honesty and vulnerability in the, in the introduction of this book. This person who, if you would meet him, says, wow, he's doing good stuff for the Lord and God's kingdom and, and even in culture, and yet comes to this realization, I cannot do this alone. I, we need uh, literally the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as we do this. And that leads me to wonder how we often feel as we walk through life, as we engage God's mission, as we pursue something, as we feel led um, to change and, 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 and grow, and wonder like if we reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I need your power to do this. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're a guest and maybe you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, but metaphorically, you've kind of reached out to God. Like, God, are you out there? God, can you help me? God, I can't do this on my own. God, I need you. And, and wondering, how do I engage in that? How do I grow in that? Well, today, uh, we're going to start a kind of a, a, a series of messages, not t neatly tied into a series, but along the themes of prayer and the way of Jesus. And I want to start reading this text with you. It's Luke chapter 11, uh, and we'll read it together. It's Jesus with his disciples. And it's an awesome text here in one of the Gospels. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And I think it'll help us start off thinking about this today as we jump into this. So Luke 11, verse 1. If you've got your Bibles, turn to it, or you can follow on the screen. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, well, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. 
Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus tells them this. It's like a little bit of a story or a parable. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I've got no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed and I can't get get up to give you anything. I tell you that even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Or contextualize it for 2019. Uh, If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's just pause and pray. Our Father, we, we pause. We long to discern your heart for us today and grow in this area of life where... We believe everyone who we lock eyes with who considers themselves part of humanity longs for something beyond themselves. And even as followers of Jesus, we long for a deeper relationship with you. And I would say that we long to pray and grow in that as well, God, and what that means in a life of following you or even discovering you for the first time. So we pray for that, Lord, um, as we walk through this today. In your name, amen. Amen. So here's, here's the disciples. They asked Jesus a question. Maybe you've asked Jesus similar questions or different, different kinds of questions, but they just basically say, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Really simple. Lord, teach us to pray. Just like John taught his disciples, teach us to pray. And as I was thinking about this and reflecting on this, and the next couple of you know, message, messages we'll walk through, it's, you know, what prompts a question like that? I mean, they wanted to pray, and they knew who to ask, right? They wanted to learn how to pray. They, learned, they, they, they figured they could ask Jesus. Have you ever wanted to learn something from something significant, and you figured, I should ask this person because this person can help me? And you thought, maybe you can teach me to do this. I need this. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was at a local gym, and I realized that there's uh, a muscle group that I never work out, which is very common for me. There's many muscle groups I never work out. Um, but I, I saw this guy, and I figured he looks like he works out some of those muscle groups, and I don't. And I thought maybe he could help me. And I see him at the gym, and he's the kind of guy who's like, he's at, he's at a machine, and he takes his notebook out. So you're like, he probably knows what he's doing because he's, he's tracking everything. Uh, and he's, he's trying to grow with that. And so I was thinking, I'm not a pro at this. I need someone who knows something about this. And I went up to this guy, and I said, hey, I'm thinking about this and that, and what about this machine? And he just stopped and was like, yeah, you know what? And he, he explained it to me. And, and I realized, like, this was good. I knew who to ask. I figured, teach me how to f- do better with this muscle group, right? And so I, I, I saw, I recognized that. And, and I mean, maybe that's a light way of introducing this, but think about the disciples. They had a hunger. They had a desire. They, they wanted to grow. They wanted to be in relationship with their heavenly father. They wanted to understand prayer. And I think Jesus prompts the question because Jesus prayed, 
And they saw Jesus, and they noticed Jesus, and they observed Jesus' life and his lifestyle. In fact, Luke even opens up this section and says, one day when Jesus was praying at a certain place, we know that the disciples are observing the life of Jesus and the kind of life he lived and the kind of praying Jesus did. In fact, next week we'll explore a little bit of those scenes in the Gospels where Jesus prayed himself. But it tells us right away, one day Jesus was praying. They saw him pray. This was a spiritual practice. This is something they knew about Jesus' life. And prayer was part of it. And they're like, Jesus, could you teach us to do this? There's uh, about a century ago, someone named George Fox. In fact, there's a Christian university named after him. He was part of the Quaker movement within global Christianity. And someone was very enamored with George Fox. His name was William Penn. And he observed George Fox's life. George Fox has influenced many around the area of spiritual disciplines. And William Penn says these words about George Fox. says, above all, he excelled in prayer. The inwardness and weight of his spirit, the reverence and solemnity of his dress and behavior. I love this next line. The fewness and fullness of his words. You want to meet people who pray well? They speak little, but their words are full. I love that. The fewness and fullness of his words have often struck even strangers with admiration, and they used to reach others with consolation. The awful, living, reverent frame I ever felt or beheld, I must say, was in his prayer. William Penn's observing George Fox and says, this guy prays. There's something about his life that is so amazing, so beautiful, so authentic. He must pray. I think this scene in Luke 11 gives us a beautiful example of the master-student relationship or the the master-discipleship relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. They were learning from him. They were gleaning from him. They were observing him, and they wanted to grow. Dallas Willard says, the apprentices have watched the master, and now they're saying, show us how. Induct us into this amazing practice. Show us us how to do this. Show us how, how we can live this, because they've watched the master do this. And what's fascinating to me, too, it's not just Jesus that they've noticed this about. They, they said, Jesus, teach us to pray just like John taught his disciples to pray. So John the Baptist, who he's referring to, was part of the Jewish faith at the time within their religious community, within their religious practices, was a pr- person of prayer. And I guess the disciples noticed that John would teach his disciples how to pray. And they're like, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Just like John taught his disciples. So here's this spiritual practice within the spiritual heritage that brought life and power to people. And the disciples wanted to know, could they live this way too? And so as Jesus unpacks this and he responds, I I, I want to describe it in this way, in a really simple framework. It was a way to pray for the way. That's just a simple way to describe it. A way to pray for the way. Now, the first way and the second way is a little different, and I'll describe that as we go along. It's a way to pray for the way. The first thing, they're like, teach us how to pray. And Jesus simply says, hey, pray this. So he teaches them what to say. They're asking him how to pray, and Jesus says, here's what you can say. And I know some of us, like, step back at that. Wait a second, don't give me a written prayer. Don't give me something to follow, because that's, that looks legalistic to me. That looks rigid. That looks religious. Uh, I want to pray, like, just whatever comes to my mind and whatever comes to my heart. Isn't that the best way to pray? And somehow Jesus didn't teach them that. Jesus said, here, you want to learn how to pray? Say this. 
He actually gives them something to say, a model to follow. And here's one of the reasons why. Because words give us guideposts. Because the right words give us the right guideposts. And you know that the right words can shape and guide and define and remind. But even bad words can shape, right? And, and guide and define just in bad ways. The right words have a way of slowing us down. Right words have the way of sometimes shocking us in a good way just to make us look at ourselves or our situation. Sometimes the right words can calm us. And here are these words from Jesus. Jesus gives them words to say if they're going to start learning how to pray. He doesn't just say, go off and pray. He doesn't just say, get, 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 you know, get alone. He doesn't just say, hey, wherever, wherever the Spirit leads. There's room for that. But initially, he says, say these words. And see, sometimes we're taught, well, spontaneous prayer is the best way to learn how to prayer. But that, that can be limited to our bubble, to what I think, to what I experience, to the words I know, to the language I know, to the vocabulary of faith that I know. Imagine a painter was restricted with three colors. Paint this canvas, but you can do it with these three colors. I mean, maybe they'd be up to the challenge, but they'd feel limited. Imagine a, a carpenter was limited to two tools or a musician was like, you have four notes. Now create a masterpiece. They're like, what's the deal? There's like 12 on the piano. Why can't I just like have, you know, all the notes? And I think Jesus in a similar way is giving words so we can grow in what it means to pray. Dallas Willard says, praying is a form of speaking. And it's best learned by entering into the words Jesus gave us to say to God, when we pray. The best way we can grow in prayer is to immerse ourselves in the words given to us by Jesus in what we can say when we pray. So when Luke records this story, he tells us that Jesus says, when you pray, say this. When Matthew records this story in Matthew 6, he tells us that Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And we have a little bit longer version of this prayer in Matthew 6 called the Lord's Prayer. And I think it's this reason, I wrote it on the screen, the content of our prayers shapes the intent of our prayers. The content of our prayers shapes the intent of our prayers. If you had a transcriber, you know, in politics they do this, they transcribe conversations. Sometimes they're happy about it, sometimes they're not happy about it. But if your prayers were transcribed and then given back to you and said, tell us, the heart of your prayer. Tell us the theme of your prayer. Tell us what you think about God from the, the prayers that you prayed. Tell us what you think about the world and God's mission and life or people. And we would start to see what our prayers actually say. The content of our prayers shapes the intent of our prayers. Sometimes we read prayers on Sundays in our gatherings, and one of the reasons we like to do this is I believe that all of us, including me, need fresh vocabulary, fresh words, fresh expressions of what it means to pray to God, because sometimes in my own limited way, I'm just going to pray the things I always pray for and forget things that are, are on God's heart. And so Jesus gives us what to say, and here's just a, a, a shortened version from Matthew uh, 6, but here's what he says. He says to them, when you pray... When you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Now just look at that for a second, and ask yourself this question, this last week, 
or last few weeks, when you've prayed, which of these themes have you left out completely? Have you, have you prayed your kingdom come at work, your home, your neighborhood? Have you prayed, Lord, forgive us our sins? Have you affirmed that you're also the kind of person who forgives the sins of others? Have you asked God in prayer, Lord, lead, don't lead, lead protect me, prevent me from walking in this way that would lead me into temptation? I bet a bunch of us probably said, give us this day our daily bread, right? That was like, that was a good one. Every day, God, give me what I need. But isn't it true we often forget some of the rest? And this is the reason why Jesus gives us words to say when we pray, because the content of our prayer shapes the intent of our prayers. And so he gives us words to say, but he also gives us the way to pray in this text, in, this, in this, this scene here right now in the Gospels with his disciples because he starts them off saying, when you pray, say this. And he says, Father, hallowed be your name, right? He starts them thinking about who they're praying to, the relationship they have with God. Not that prayer is just to some other force, some listening ear in the, in the universe, some cosmic spirit or some power. No, Jesus says, we are praying to our hev- you are praying to your heavenly Father. You're praying to your heavenly father and God is your father. And he's reminding them, he's helping them that it's not just what you say, but it's the way you pray. And the way you pray is postured by who you're praying to and and, and the relationship you have with God. Now, you might think this just comes out of nowhere, but in the bigger story of the scriptures and in the bigger story of Israel and then the church, You can go back to a scene when Israel was enslaved in Egypt and they were restless. They were in bondage under Egypt's rule and they were just longing for God to rescue them. And there's a scene where Moses and the Pharaoh of Egypt are like one and one against each other talking and and Moses is, is kind of like God's representative there against the Pharaoh. And there's a moment where God comes to Israel's rescue and he says this. He says to Moses, you tell these words to Pharaoh. And these are the words he says. He says, tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn son. Declare that to Pharaoh. And then tell Pharaoh, let my son go. It's Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, 21 to 22. Israel's my firstborn son. Let my son go. It seems as though even when Jesus says, you pray to our, your father in heaven, in the big picture of their story, God interacted even with his people in Israel before Jesus came. I'm your father. You're my child. And when he confronted Pharaoh, he said, these are my kids. Let them go. God comes to their rescue as a father comes to their rescue. And Jesus is teaching when we pray, we invoke the God of Exodus, the liberator, the deliverer, the protector, the one who loves, the one who provides, the one who rescues, the one who is father to you. So the way we pray is so important. And Jesus helps us have that posture in this. I think in a a very strange way, in almost a, a contrasting way, he also helps us realize that God wants to listen to us even when we're a friend um, that annoys us, right? He tells that story afterwards about a friend who, uh, someone who goes to his friend's house and he's knocking on the door and he's like, hey, help me, help me. He's like, what's going on? I got some people came over. I've got no food. Uh, you know, give me some loaves of bread. Please get, now, if you think about Middle Eastern family in the middle of the night, unlike our families or your life today, they all, they likely all slept on the floor together, like 
everybody, just on the floor together. So, I mean, if you're a family here on the floor and someone's knocking on your door and you got your daughter beside you and your son and then your wife and two other kids and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's even aunts and uncles later on in the room. I have no idea. But like, it's all there and you got to get up. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to wake up my whole family. What's this guy knocking on my door for? This guy's a nut. I mean, I know John is sincere. Maybe he needs this bread, but I'm not getting up. Right? Because that's going to mess up the house. I mean, if you get out of bed now, you might only wake up you or if someone's sleeping beside you, but you can kind of walk through the house quietly and nobody will be bothered. But here's this Middle Eastern home, and the tradition was to help a friend in need. Now, it doesn't mean that it wasn't disturbing. It was disturbing because even when you're woken up in the middle of the night, let me ask you an honest question. Do you do it with all of your heart? Right? I mean, I've sometimes been woken up, and even if my wife wakes, Dave, there's this thing, and I'm like, I know you're my wife, but I really don't want to get up right now. I don't care. Let, just let it happen. Let them rob us. Whatever, you know? <laughs> and so I, I, the, when you're asleep, that's what you think, right? You don't want to be bothered. That's, Jesus is bringing the story, kind of the, the, this kind of feeling, this kind of atmosphere. And so, of course, it doesn't stop me from helping. But we don't always do it out of an initial response. But Jesus is not telling the story to highlight the goodness or badness of the, of the guy in bed. He's highlighting the story of the friend who's knocking on the door and saying that when you have a need, you knock and you keep knocking and you keep doing something. There was a horrible situation that happened in Vaudreuil a couple of weeks ago, a neighborhood, I think there was either a robbery or a shooting and it was an isolated drug incident and everybody was freaking out because Vaudreuil is such a beautiful neighborhood. And so there was a story a few days later of a woman who had a friend, a neighbor, knock on their door at 3 in the morning. She went hysterical. She called the police. She couldn't, she's freaking out because she heard about the story from three nights ago. She found out later that someone in Honor Street was giving birth. And she's like, but because she was so afraid, she, she didn't open the door, right? And so sometimes you got to, Jesus' picture here is like the person on the other side of the door who's in need and who's asking and who's resilient, and who's persistent. And he's helping us understand that the way we pray is not just, you know, blabbing to God, but he literally says, ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, and trust that God is your Father, who's not a tyrant, who will ever give you something that is not good for you. But ask, and seek, and knock. And he might not always give us what we want, and he might not always give us what we think we need, but he will never give us something that's not good for us, right? But Jesus says the way to pray is to ask and seek and knock because you have a heavenly father who loves you, who's your rescuer, who's there for you. And so the way we pray is we see God as father and our prayers can be as persistent as that friend on the other side of the door. And we pray within that relationship and with that kind of urgency. And Jesus helps us understand that he gives us what to say. He gives us a way to pray. And he gives it to us for the way of life and for the way of the kingdom. And so he gives us these examples. When you pray, right? Like in, in the Lord's Prayer, he's like, he, t- he talks about daily bread. You know, give us this day our daily bread. God, help us. Lord, we, we need this today. We need this provision today. 
He talks about praying for forgiveness. He talks about praying for strength during temptation. It's ordinary stuff. And then when he even gets into the story about the friend who's asking, it's this idea too that, that we're asking for things. We're coming before the Lord. It's part of our daily life. It's part of our daily routine. And we can come to God for everything in life. So prayer, and I want you to remember this line, prayer isn't apart from life. Prayer is for every part of our life. Prayer isn't apart from life. Like, I pray, but my life's over here. I pray, but my relationship's over here. I pray, but my finances are over there. I pray, but this thing is happening at church. No, prayer isn't a part separate from life. Prayer is every part of our life, right? I had a friend who um, grew up, was an engineer in his uh, 20s and um, didn't know the Lord and then came to know the Lord, came to follow Jesus and he was very entrepreneurial, very business-minded, really successful in some of the things he did. And uh, after he came to know the Lord, he, he noticed uh, a gap in his industry. And so he started a business uh, on his own, and stopped working for other people, started a business on his own, and it started to grow. And, and uh, he told me later some of the things he was doing uh, in that business, and he was doing really quite well. But he did something that I, I was, when he first told me, it was kind of like strange at first, because I've never heard anybody who did this. He actually solicited people in a good way to pray for the business. Every week, there was a group of people who prayed for the business. He literally had them pray. Now, he, and now it's obviously, you're asking people to pray for your work. It's not like it was different. So he said, look, you're going to come. If you're going to come for an hour or two, we'll provide lunch. Maybe we'll even provide some, some small honorariums because we know you're coming to do this, to, to just spend time interceding because he knew their gifts. So they prayed for the business. Now, don't get any ideas. Next time we hold a prayer meeting, no one's getting money, okay? Um, this, but, but I love this because this was his heart. He said, I'm not smart enough to see this company keep growing. I'm not qualified enough. And none of this is mine anyways. It's all God's. And so he invited a group of people weekly to pray for his business. See, sometimes we, we say, no, I pray, but like God doesn't really care about this other stuff of my life. And then he's, he became a Christian. He's like, no, God cares of, about every part of our life. Now the, now, the beauty of this is that his posture was that everything is God's. And so he stewarded much for God's kingdom and much for God's work. And he held it lightly in his hands, even though it grew quite successfully. And that's part of praying, because when we pray your kingdom come, before we pray, give us this day our daily bread, our posture is, God, none of this is ours. And so, remember, the content of our prayers shapes the intent of our prayers. And the content of our prayer shapes our hearts and our posture. So this person, as he prayed and invited others to pray for his business, he knew it was all God's, everything. And so the way of prayer for the way of life is we, there's a thousand things we can pray for in our world. There's hundreds of things we can pray for in the church there's tons of stuff we can pray for our family and our friends and our loved ones and our neighbors. Dallas Willard says, pray over all the details of life. All the details of life. God does not ever want us to feel like we can't bring anything to him in prayer or bring every aspect of our life to him in prayer. But it's bigger than just the stuff of our life. It's for the way of the kingdom because Jesus is teaching his disciples what it means to follow him and that he's teaching them to pray in the context of them following him. See, they're following the way of Jesus 
And they are on a journey of God, in God's kingdom. And they're learning how to pray in the middle of that journey. So as they will step out and follow Jesus, as they will step out and speak to people, as they will spec out, step out and, and, and start sharing the mission or the message, as they do that, all on the way, Jesus is saying, as you go, as you're on this kingdom journey, as you're following my way, I want to teach you how to pray because you're, you're not going to be able to do this alone. You're not going to be able to do this on your own, so pray as you go. And so Jesus is teaching them because it's not easy to announce the kingdom of light in the middle of a kingdom of darkness. It's not easy to say Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't at the time period. It's not easy to say, look to Jesus. He is the, he is my, the Lord of my life. Nothing else here is. It's not easy to live the kingdom life in a dark world, right? It's not easy. A couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you saw this, a man by the name of Brant Jean hugged a woman by the name of Amber Guger. I think that's how I say her name, but I'm probably saying it wrong. You guys might have caught this story. It was in the news cycle for a week or so. This woman, Amber, was a white police officer who murdered Brant's brother. She was on trial for the murder. And maybe you saw this. Did you see this, this scene when, when justice was being served and the system had to take its due course and justice had to take its due course? And it's a complicated story of, of, of how, what this means. It's not, so, it's not so simple if you really dig into the middle of it. But something profound happened that people did not know what to do. This man, Brandt, was extending some kind of forgiveness or grace to Amber who killed his brother. And, and he said in the courtroom, I, I don't wish you harm. I don't want your life to be ruined because of this. And then he gets up and he asks the judge, can I hug her? Can I go hug her? And, and, and in the middle of the courtroom, he, he hugs the person who killed his brother. And no one knew what to do with this because they're like, what? This is not normal. How do, who does this? Why would anybody do this? And it's not that justice shouldn't be served or things like that, but he didn't want to live in hate. And he connected this to his faith. He said, I don't want to live in hate against you. I don't want my life, in a sense, to be, to be enslaved to hatred to you. And so he wanted to extend the forgiveness of Jesus. Come on, can we all admit that sounds crazy in that moment? But that's what it means sometimes. That's, that's really extensive, but that's why we need prayer. That's why we need Jesus, may your kingdom come. That's why when Jesus says, pray this, forgive us our sins so we can forgive those who sin against us, that's not an easy prayer to pray. And so in the middle of following Jesus, in the middle of, 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 of this kingdom journey, we pray how Jesus leads us to because we need to pray in those moments. That doesn't just happen. God 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 shapes our hearts, gives us strength and courage for that, and it doesn't come easily to anybody. And so when we say kingdom come, we're we're saying we're ready to embrace God's kingdom in this place, in this neighborhood, in this workplace. And we're saying, I can't follow Jesus and the kingdom journey without prayer. I can't follow Jesus without bread for the journey, forgiveness for human conflict, wisdom for, di- wisdom for, for discernment, and, and protection under temptation and deliverance under the powers against us. I can't do that by myself. I need to pray. I need to come before God. And so when we start praying for the way 
of the kingdom, all of a sudden, the other stuff doesn't really get that much attention. Did you notice the Apostle Paul, when he was in prison, what he prayed for? He didn't say, God, get me out of this place. He said, Lord, how can I share the message with, with, my, uh, with these guards in front of me? God, how could you, can you give me boldness in the middle of this difficult situation? When you start praying kingdom prayers, all of a sudden, you're not praying what other people pray for. Paul, Paul had a calling. He, had a, he was on the kingdom journey. He was in the way of Jesus, and he started praying for something bigger than just get me out of prison. He was praying God's will be done here, and if it means I stick around a little longer and I'll be an influence to this guard, so be it, God. May your kingdom come, because he was on a kingdom journey. See, prayer taps us into the abundance of the kingdom, the forgiveness of the kingdom, the discernment and wisdom of the kingdom, the deliverance of the kingdom. And God won't always give us the stuff we want, but he, at the end of this little analogy, Jesus says, what a good father does always gives what kids really need. And he says, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? Because honestly, isn't that what we need? Don't we need the Holy Spirit? I mean, we can get the stuff that we pray for, but in the end, God really knows we need his Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm going to ask the team to come up as we move to close our gathering with a short time of communion. But I want us to just think about this. As Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, right? Three things, right? He taught them what to say. He taught them the way to pray for the way of life in the kingdom. He taught them what to say the way to pray for the way of life in the kingdom. So the way we want to end today before we move into a time of communion is I want to put the prayer that Jesus, that we read from Luke anyways. I know there's a longer version in Matthew's gospel. But I'd love, I'd love to take this, this time just to close with this in transition to communion. And maybe you can, we can read it together off the screen. And here's what I want us to do because here's the thing. I, I believe that if you're just here either for the first time or you've been with us for a little bit and you're just learning how to pray, this is, we're just going to take the cue from Jesus. Let's hear it. This is how he teaches us to pray, right? And that's good. Now, be careful because you're, you're saying, well, I've been praying for years. I got this one down, you know, down packed. And I would say, no, let's allow this prayer to realign our hearts to pray the way Jesus leads us to pray. So whether you're, 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 you're seeing this for the first time or whether you've been praying for 20 or 30 years and you need a realignment in your heart and what it means to pray and the posture of prayer and the way of prayer, then I want to pray this prayer together today as a way for us to allow the words of Jesus, the content that Jesus gives us to shape our prayers. Amen? Let's pray this prayer together. You guys can play in the background. Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Now we're going to read it one more time, and I'm going to pause at the end of every phrase because I want us to just pause and discern and say, Lord, um, is this a contrast to the way that I pray? Do I need a realignment in my heart? Lord, which, which of these do you want me to lean on and emphasize today or this week? Let's pray one more time. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Just pause for a second. Let's continue. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Father, we we pause in gratitude right now as we take a decision to immerse ourselves in this prayer. Your son, Jesus, gives us these words to learn how to pray, to learn what to say, to understand the way of prayer, for the way of following him, the way of your kingdom. Oh God, I pray that you would give us sensitivity in our mind and heart to allow these words to begin to shape our prayers, to begin to shape our posture, our mind, our heart, our vision for life, for life with you, for life in our neighborhoods, for our workplaces, for our church, for our relationships, for our finances. God, may each of these words, each of these phrases become so deeply embedded in our hearts that they in and of themselves would create roots inside of our hearts that would grow and that as our prayers grow, they would reflect the depth and immense beauty and power of this kingdom prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.